time for a new episode of Steel Toes and Scoreboards. Allen Iverson is always going to be my all-time point guard. The real AI? Practice. We're talking about practice, not the game. His contributions to professional baseball cannot be denied. Uh, you sure about that? Then why is he not in Cooperstown? Come on, puss. Nope, Hattie old girl, he takes a backseat to Joe Montana. Two years now we've been doing this bullshit. Yeah, I can't believe podcast hasn't thrown us off the air. Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne? <sighs> Reggie Wayne. <laughs> Hot take. Taylor vs. Serrano, 2022 Fight of the Year, baby. Two women sold out Madison Square Garden. Incredible. You're the biggest homer ever. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, whoa. You leave my Dodgers, Steelers, and my Penguins out of this. We did a lot of hockey talk last year. I enjoyed that. Well, it's a great sport. Kill a guy with skates. What's better? It's true. All right. One-on-one, full contact, both in their prime, LeBron versus Jordan. Come on, Hattie, old girl. You really think that deserves an answer? Okay. Fine. We'll take it. Coming soon on Steel Toes and Scoreboards, a top 25 QB episode. Beto. Nope. Not after that point guard cluster episode. <laughs> oh, man. Tyson Fury versus Mike Tyson in their prime. I'm pretty sure somebody named Tyson would win. <laughs> <laughs> this Live Golf versus PGA Tour feud has been an incredible news story this year. It's a pissing contest, but it has been funny. That Waco episode did killer numbers on our downloads. See, good thing we cover more than just sports. Have I worked a pro wrestling reference in yet tonight? And here we go, folks. Once again, he gets going. Well, you know. <laughs> I like wrestling. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> Peyton, Brady, Breeze, and soon-to-be Rogers all retired. Who's the next crop to stand up and take their place? We've got to start talking more to college hoops. Oh, I'm waiting on you to pull the trigger. Commissioner Kirk Kelly in the house, everybody. I'm here to save the MLB. Anything to say to your fans? Peace, love, and Ozzy Osbourne. Hot take right here. He's the greatest second baseman to ever play the game. You're kidding me, right? You can't be serious. All right, Puss. You ready to get into it? Sure bet. Hey, old girl, let's piss some people off. (laughs) And as he said, we sure do. (laughs) Guys, a very new episode happening right now. scoreboards Jared Atkins weeknight chronicles edition it's a uh, very spring like Tuesday night here in April Uh, the homie Kirk Kelly should be joining me we are scheduled to record tonight at 8 o'clock but I'm just going to jump on here and get the ball rolling mainly because I I wanted to start by talking a little bit about WWE Uh, we are back I am back I should say I guess um, you know, we didn't record forever in a day until just this past weekend. We talked the, uh, this one's for John, the, uh, Packers and Broncos Super Bowl. Kurt and I are supposed to get together this weekend to record. I think we're going to talk a little college hoops for the first time. We're going to officially do a college hoops episode. Uh, but anyways, I want to get on here and talk about some WWE stuff just cause I didn't want to perk. Kurt through the rigmarole, and I mean, I always get my pro wrestling shit in, right? 
But uh, this uh, this news here is about two weeks old. This was coming on the heels of WrestleMania. This is basically about the uh, the selling of World Wrestling Entertainment, or you know WWE, and or I guess the financial merger uh, with Endeavor. So you guys that are in to combat sports you've all heard of endeavor that's the parent company for ufc uh they're you know they made the announcement uh, about two weeks ago um ufc and wwe and and uh endeavor and the wwe i should say they they signed a an astronomical historical landmark landmark agreement to merge and form a new publicly traded company uh and it's going to be listed on the new york stock exchange as tko which is great but it's it's gonna it's gonna merge both brands now wwe has been a publicly traded company on the new york stock exchange since 1999 the fall of 99 i can remember that i was in i was still in elementary school uh so this is a big deal uh the uh, I, I you know <laughs> I, I said till I was blue in the face WWE was never going to sell and maybe in a way they didn't sell I guess I don't know it depends on how you look at it if you're a glass half full half empty guy but this merger means that the McMahon family are no longer in solo control of course uh, this value is going to put the estimated company value for this new company at like twenty one point four billion dollars. Obviously, the UFC is gonna gonna top share that with like twelve point one billion. WWE is gonna come in at nine point three billion. Uh, Ari Emanuel, who is the CEO for Endeavor, he will continue in that role, uh, becoming the CEO of the new company. Now, Vince McMahon, who came back after he re- retired, you know, went away, you know, got that PP spank for the sexual abuse allegations and everything. He came back to oversee the sale of the company and everything. Uh, he purchased his company from his father in 1982 for a million dollars. He's going to serve as the executive chairman of the 11-member board. Uh, basically, the hierarchy of this company, uh, he, you know, uh, Emmanuel's going to be first. McMahon's going to be second or third in command. Now, Vince will be the executive chairman. Dana White will continue to serve as the president of the UFC. Uh, WWE's Nick Khan, douchebag. God, I hate that guy. Nick Khan's going to stay on as president of WWE. Now, Khan uh, broke bread and talked with ESPN shortly after the merger was announced. He said, I think so highly of Dana. Vince has respect for what Dana has built, so we think it's going to be just fine. And if there's any debates, these will be private. Once we come out of the debate room, we're aligned and we will move forward together. You have the two greatest promoters of the last 40 years now in the same house with Vince McMahon and Dana White. We can only learn from one another. Now, what's interesting is that this was announced the day after WrestleMania, which, of course, it was, you know, been rumored a couple days ahead of time. Uh, It's coming off uh, probably the best-selling WrestleMania of all time, ticket-wise, they you know they had a gate of damn near twenty-two million dollars for two nights at SoFi in Los Angeles. So uh, that's that's impressive. Now, what also makes this interesting is for the first time in history that I can ever remember, 
WWE is coming off a billion dollar a year revenue. If you get on WWE's corporate website, not WWE.com, but you go to like WWE corporate, that lists a whole bunch of these analytics and these finances and these records and all this shit. They're coming off a billion dollar a year revenue, which has never happened before. You know, you think of the height of the Attitude Era and the boom period of wrestling in the 90s and the first part of the 2000s. These guys are making money hand over fist, millions and millions of dollars, but they've never had a billion dollar a year, which I think is very interesting because I've been of the approach of the last couple of years that uh, the business is kind of stagnant. The professional wrestling industry business is just not where it needs to be. Uh, I don't think anybody's happy about the way business. Anyways, I don't need to get into all that. But uh, for me to think that the business has kind of fallen on its ass in recent years, and then to have a billion dollar year revenue of co- across all your you know your licensing and your ticket sales and your merchandise sales and all this shit. So so it's it's impressive. Uh, Nick Khan continued on in this interview with ESPN said, I think it's an incredible opportunity for us to continue growing what is already a global brand known as WWE. Uh, We're in 170 countries. We now have the opportunity to modernize each and every one of those countries in a far better way with Endeavor's global presence. Now, on the flip side of that, UFC has a rights deal with ESPN, which also includes ESPN Plus for exclusive uh, monthly pay-per-view deals and and all this shit. You know, WWE's got these major deals with Friday Night SmackDown on Fox and uh, NBC Universal for Monday Night Raw and USA Network. Now, those are about $500 million a year combined annually. Those are set to expire next fall. So this merger couldn't have come at a better time because all these negotiations and shit, uh, even though WWE has a, is a well-known brand, now you're bringing Endeavor and the backing behind that with you, you're going to get fucking phenomenal TV deals out of this. So, and anyways, uh, you know, WWE has the, you know, of course I bitched in 2021 when they sold the network to, to P- NBC Peacock. Uh, but of course, you know, Peacock is, is, is great now. I love it. I have the office back and I have the WWE network. Basically, what more could I want? And I'm and I'm binge watching the shit out of Law and Order and House too. So, uh, Nick Khan would continue saying, "I think TV rights goes up, our ratings are up, our relevancy's up. That's debatable, Nick. Our revenues up. We like to think we have the hot hand going into these negotiations for better TV deals." Da 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 da. Now, what's interesting about this is, uh. squirrel sorry what's interesting about this is there's been some mma stars in the last two weeks because of course this news here is about two weeks old but i I had to put it on here it's my first real chance to to record and i just thought i'd throw it in before i get puss on the phone but um at any rate what what's what's interesting about this is some of the mma guys have been vocal about this you know i don't do fake fighting type things so it's really interesting but then it's also interesting when you think about how many mma people have jumped ship into professional wrestling don't come at me with brock lesnar brock was a pro wrestler before he was an mma guy and he came back to wwe but you got ronda rousey now you've got matt riddle you've got Shayna baszler um so yeah it, it 
I don't know how to feel. I could do a fucking four-hour episode on how I feel about this. I swore this company would never sell, and if it ever did sell, I said it was going to sell to Disney because Disney fucking gets their hands on everything. And I was wrong, but I don't I don't know, man. I could do, like I said, I could do a four-hour episode about this. Um, and I just... I don't know how to take this. I haven't really been vocal on social media about this, which is surprising enough people have known me, you know, pro wrestling's been this thing in my life since I was three years old. Um you think of all people I would be vocal about it. I've had a couple people text me too and be like, You haven't said shit about this merger deal and I'm just still processing this. It's still like the Undertaker's retirement. You know, I was <laughs> I was three years old. You know, one of my first few memories of wrestling was the Undertaker. And he debuted in 90. So if when he retired in 2020, it's like, holy fuck, my childhood died. And here's this this WWE thing. They outlasted Ted Turner. They outlasted Paul Heyman. They've outlasted everybody. And they're not going away. But it's not solely in control of the McMahon family. Like, this is something we all, as wrestling fans, and if you deny it, you're a lying motherfucker. This is something we all thought was going to get passed down to the hands of the very next McMahon. Like... And that's not what's happening now. But there is huge upside, you know. Uh, Endeavor's got several more billion in the bank than what the WWE does. Um, so so it's, it's going to be interesting. Um, yeah, I, I guess that's where I'm going to leave that for now. Um, the WWE is still around, but it's going to be... It's going to be different. Now, this deal is set to be finalized by the end of the year. Of course, you know, there's, you know, being a publicly traded company and there's all the legalities and the regulations and it's got to meet approval and all this. There's no way this thing's not going to be approved. So, uh, it, it will be officially official, ink dried and everything come the fall, I do believe. So, yeah. So, let's jump from that to talking about some women's boxing. We all know how much I love Amanda Soriano, and I talked about her and Katie Taylor. I said it was going to be fight of the year last year. It was. Another female boxer, another female combat athlete that I'm a huge fan of is the is Clarissa Shields. She is a African-American uh, boxer, and she's one bad motherfucker, dude. Uh, anyways, uh, for the first time in five years, Shields is going back to Detroit to fight. She will have the first defense of her new undisputed middleweight title. It's going down June 3rd at the Little Caesars Arena against Hannah Gabriels. Now, this is the same chick that she beat by unanimous decision in that fight in Detroit. And, of course, uh, the fight's going to be broadcast on DAZN, D-A-Z-N, DAZN, who... Uh, not a big fan of DAZN, but man, when it comes to boxing, there's nothing better. Now, this is also going to be the first time Shields is going to fight back in the USA since 2021 when she become the junior middleweight champion, when she beat, uh, uh, oh girl, what's her name, in her hometown of Flint, Michigan. What the fuck was her name? Marie something. Anyways, now Ga Hannah Gabriels is the only fighter to knock Shields down during her career. 
She sent her she sent her ass to the mat in the first round of a fight that Shields would eventually win by unanimous decision, which is what gave her the WBA and the IBF middleweight titles. Now Hannah Grabeels is no pushover herself. She's twenty one and she's twenty one two and one, twelve knockouts. Uh, she won her next three fights after losing to Clarissa Shields, but she hasn't fought since April seventeenth of twenty twenty one. That's we are uh, two years and a day. So now, and also it should be noted that Hannah is in her forties, whereas uh, Clarissa Shields is in her prime. She's only twenty. She didn't even hit her prime yet. She's twenty eight. Now she lost. She fought last in October. Uh, she was the headliner on this uh, sold-out female card that went down in London where she beat Savannah Marshall, which was a phenomenal fight. Uh, she beat Savannah Marshall by unanimous decision to win the middleweight title. Now, the win only avenged the only boxing loss for Shields uh, at the time. Now, she's one of the most accomplished fighters in boxing history. Trust me, as much as I talk about Amanda Suriano. And you guys know I get passionate about female boxing. I, we've we mentioned it so much. We mentioned it so much last year in passing, or at least I did. Uh, I just text Puss, and he has still not text back. Okay. Um, Clarissa Shields is is a bad. She's a baddie, and I love her. She's a phenomenal athlete. She's a phenomenal boxer. She's got a good. She's got a good ring IQ. She never seems to put herself in positions that she's not supposed to be in. Uh, you can't teach boxing IQ. I don't care what anybody says. You can't teach boxing IQ. That's something that just comes natural. You can teach anybody how to fight. You can teach them how to throw a punch. But you can't teach ring presence. You can't teach ring IQ. I'll die on that hill. It's my opinion. Uh, so, I guess... Uh, well, I guess, I guess we're going to just keep rolling tape. I have not heard back from Puss. I know he's work, he's he's a tired boy. He's working. I'm tired too. I'm back out on I am back out on the floor. Just not with Puss. Uh I I didn't I might have mentioned this on the last episode, which was our first episode in well over a month, but uh there's been some temporary changes in my professional life. Uh I do work for my best friend still. Uh unfortunately, uh some things have changed with that. Uh, I'm now a uh, temporarily for the next six months to a year. I am a part-time employee making part-time wages. Uh, one of the companies that we subcontract for has changed the way they do a bunch of their uh, data testing and data entry and invoicing optimization and all this stuff. And about 60% of my workload was cut out. So even though this has been my best friend since we were, you know, pups, um, he's still my boss and I knew this was coming. I figured it was coming. He said, look, I can't justify paying you what I'm paying you. If I'm only getting 40% of the work, it's just business. Uh, here's the deal. You can work in the evenings and everything, but I'm gonna have to cut your hours, cut your pay. And, uh, so I, I couldn't make it on what I was going to be making. You know, I, cu I couldn't make it. So I had to go back to work full time. I'm working in a butcher shop now, a, uh, local, uh, Meat processing, meat cutting, you know, uh, butcher cattle, butcher hogs, processed deer, all sorts of stuff. Uh, laid my finger open last week really bad, really deep. My fingernails were about to fall off. Anyways, but but anyways, uh, I know Puss is, anyways, <laughs> I keep saying anyways. I know Puss is probably tired. 
He's probably sitting naked in his beanbag chair eating Cheetos. Maybe he went mushroom hunting. Who knows? But we're going to keep rolling tape without him, and if he chimes in, he chimes in. If not, he'll be back this weekend when we cover some college hoops. I think I think we're going to do actual hoops. I'm excited. But anyways, two of the biggest personalities in combat sports are going to duke it out. On my birthday, August 5th, from the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, douchebag Jake Paul, UFC, former UFC, I should say, Loudmouth, Stockton Salute, Nate Diaz. They're going to go on a boxing match on August 5th. 185 pounds is the weight. It's contracted for eight rounds with 10-ounce gloves and once again distributed by DAZN on pay-per-view. Now, this is going to be a 50-50 collaboration between Diaz's Real Fight, Inc. and Douchebag Jake Paul's MVP Most Valuable Promotions. Now, this is the first time Nate Diaz has ever promoted himself. Uh, the first time he will fight outside the UFC in 15 years in his first career boxing match, which uh, I always said pro MMA has got a lot of similarities to pro wrestling because you, you've got to promote yourself. You've got to work yourself. Um, and, he, you know, the, the, the shit they would say in interviews and post-match fights and press conferences and everything, boy knows how to work a crowd. So, uh, Diaz has been involved in some of the biggest pay-per-view events in the UFC, though. I mean, we all remember what went on with Conor uh, and Jake Paul. God, I hate Jake Paul. Uh, yeah, I mean, he has made a name for himself on the boxing circuit. Of course, you know, I, I like to think he some of those people took a dive, but that's me. Now, these two have been talking shit on social media and interviews for the past year, year and a half. Uh, back in, If you remember right back in October... Uh, Jake Paul, you know, had the thing with Anderson Silva and the rumor mill churned and it turned out to be true that Nate Diaz's team and Jake Paul's team got into a, a pissing contest backstage, a little shoving, a little, little talk, little, little shuck and jive talk. And that's when Jake Paul formally challenged him, uh, in his post fight thing with, with Anderson Silva now, Diaz was typically fighting, if you remember, he was fighting in the lightweight division. The lightweight division comes in, if I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, featherweight's 145, so lightweight should be 155. Uh, so that's where he fought a lot at. And then, of course, 170 would be your uh, 185's welterweight, or 185's middleweight, so 170 would be welterweight. So he's done some fighting at welterweight, too. Now, Jake Paul's fought heavy as of as of lately. He's fighting in about 190, 192 pounds. Uh, so, now, Paul right now is 6-1. He lost his first career boxing match, uh, when was it, in February? To Tommy Fury, of course. Tommy is the brother of the heavyweight GOAT right now, uh, Tyson Fury. So, uh, th this ought to be good. This ought to be good. I, I might actually... I have not looked at a single thing Jake Paul's done because you know I can't stand Jake Paul, but this... This might be something to watch because I hate the Diaz brothers a lot. I always liked Nate better than Nick. Nick was a loudmouth... They're both loudmouth fucks. But I always respected Nate more than what I did Nick. And I just hated the you know, Stockton salute. You know, when they do the Stockton salute. So, uh, but but I might tune in for this. Um, 
I think I have a DAZN subscription, if I'm not mistaken. So, so I might tune in for this. This this might get really interesting. Uh, and I, I got some more about it. But if you want to read it, you know, you can read the articles. That it's all over the internet uh, right now. It's all over ESPN, Bleacher Report, Deadspin. Not Deadspin. Whatever the one I'm thinking of. Uh, anyways, so I want to stick with combat. I know we, we, we went WWE, we went boxing, now we went UFC. I want to stick with MMA for one more, one more, through one more break here. Uh, Carl Robertson. I do not remember this fighter at all. I'm sorry. I'm drawing a blank. There might be listeners out there be like, how can you not remember him? He's a former UFC fighter. He was arrested in New Jersey uh, over the weekend for his involvement in a theft of more than $200,000 worth of jewelry and valuables from a private home in New Jersey. Now, he's being charged with burglary, theft, criminal mischief, possession of a controlled dangerous substance, and several weapons offenses in Monmouth County. Uh, he was arrested March 23rd during a motor vehicle stop, and in a vehicle investigation had been, it was revealed being connected to the burglary. Now, after a police officer searched the vehicle, they found a 9mm handgun with an extended mag, packages of suspected crack cocaine, lots of marijuana, and items related to the burglary. Now, Robertson spent uh, a few weeks in custody at Monmouth County Correctional Institution before being released on bail. Uh, the Howell Township Police Department also arrested another man alleged to be involved in this burglary, a 32-year-old named Nathan Thompson, who is a resident of Neptune, New Jersey, much like Carl Robertson is. Uh, Thompson is being charged with burglary, theft, and criminal mischief. Now, the allegations go the two men entered the home on December 26 by forcing open a rear door and stole more than $200,000 worth of exotic jewelry and other valuables. They wore masks and gloves and were captured on surveillance video both inside and outside the home. Uh, anyway, so for those of you, you know, like not remembering Robinson, like I mentioned, uh, I don't, but he was released last July from the UFC after his fourth straight loss in the company. He competed in the light heavyweight and middleweight divisions, and he'd been in the UFC since 2017 after knocking out Ryan Spann on Dana White's Contender Series. Okay. Dana White's Contender Series. Here's here's another thing. I don't know how famous this guy is, but we know I always do the whole rich people and famous people, pro athletes, celebrities aren't held to the same standards as everybody else. I don't think this guy's got enough clout in the world to, to do this, but you surely made a few dimes in your day. Do you really need to be stealing $200,000 worth of shit from somebody's house? Like, I just, I don't get it. I don't know how much money this guy's got in the bank. Obviously not a lot if he's stealing shit, but I don't know. <laughs> the world's the world's gone stupid, bro. Like, legitimately, the world's gone stupid. We're putting people on beer cans, and then people are upset about the beer cans. People are buying the beer cans just to explode the beer cans. And how the fuck did we get to talking about 
Dylan or whatever his name is, the person or the I guess it's her name. I guess I got to be politically correct. Don't want no backlash. Anyways, moving on. Uh, got some Ivy League news because I always love talking about the Ivy League. Ivy League sports excite me because when you think Ivy League, you think academia, not sports. And sometimes some of these Ivy League schools have some pretty good sports team. I always love watching the Ivy League schools play in the tournament. Anyways, uh, so a callback to a few months ago on Steel Toes and Scoreboards on a Weeknight Chronicles episode, I talked about uh, some shit going on with with, uh, Brown University uh, scholarships and price fixing and all this shit. Uh, Well, a pair of basketball players from Brown have now filed a lawsuit uh, against the school and against the Ivy League. Basically, the lawsuit was filed last week, or maybe it was this week, I don't remember. Sometime in the last week or so, uh, there was a lawsuit filed in U.S. District Court in Connecticut by attorneys representing Grace Kirk, a member of Brown's women's team, and Tamang Cho, who played for the men's team. They are seeking class action status to represent all current and former athletes at the eight Ivy League schools going back to March 2019. The suit is arguing that the Ivy League schools illegally conspired to limit financial aid and not compensate athletes for their services. Uh, The lawsuit states, quote, in either case, regardless of whether considered as a restraint on the price of education, the value of financial aid, and the price of athletic services, or the level of compensation to Ivy League athletes, the Ivy League amendment is per se illegal. Now, this includes Harvard, Yale, Brown, Princeton, Dartmouth, Cornell, Columbia, Penn, Now, they don't offer merit scholarships of any kind, including athletic scholarships. Now, this policy goes all the way back to way before any of us listening was ever thought of back in 1954, making the Ivy League the only D1 athletic conference that prohibits member schools from offering athletic scholarships. Now, the executive director for the Ivy League, Robin Harris, defended the policy in a statement responding to the legal action, which is a callback to what we mentioned in episodes uh, earlier this year or at the end of last year. She said, quote, The Ivy League athletics model is built upon the foundational principle that student-athletes should be representative of the wider student body, including the opportunity to receive need-based financial aid. In turn, Choosing and embracing that principle then provides each Ivy League student-athlete a journey that balances a world-class academic experience with the opportunity to compete in Division I athletics and ultimately paves a path for lifelong success. That was a whole nice bunch of way to say, not our problem. Exactly what I'm not our fucking problem. That's what they're saying. However, the attorneys for these Brown athletes point out that there that there are other elite academic schools such as Stanford and Duke who do offer athletic scholarships. The lawsuit states as follows: 
These schools are not part of Ivy League, but they demonstrate they can maintain stellar academic standards while competing for excellent athletes and without agreed-upon limits on price. The suit also argues that the Ivy League schools have a major influence over the path that a small pool of people who are both elite students and elite athletes can take. So by not offering athletic scholarships, the league is artificially suppressing the market for both these students. Now, I'm going to read you this final quippet here from the lawsuit, and this it says, The natural, foreseeable, and intended result of the Ivy League amendment is that Ivy League athletes have paid more for their education and earned less in compensation and reimbursement than they would have in the absence of the agreement. Um, fuck it. Like, I don't... You know, this this whole thing about compensation for athletes nowadays, and I know this isn't directly tied, this isn't all completely tied into that, but, uh, man, I don't know, that's such a hot-button issue. That's Kurt and I have talked about that before, off-air, like, should college athletes be paid? Sometimes Kurt's like, yeah, sometimes he's like, no, sometimes I'm like, yeah, sometimes I'm like, no. But as far as limiting athletic scholarships, I think that's completely stupid. Like, I, I don't know. You just, I've never been around a place, or shouldn't, I've never been around any place, but it, it sounds weird to me that you wouldn't offer, I don't know, man. You know, it's just, hey, man, I don't always have the answers. It's just weeknight chronicles. It's just, we, we just, we just talk about, you know, current events, sports news. Uh, let's talk something local, kind of local, Indiana local, not necessarily Dubois County local, but uh, I guess Edie's going to the draft. Purdue center Zach Edie, uh, consensus national player of the year, uh, announced today that he plans to enter the NBA draft while maintaining his college eligibility. Now, of course, that means he has until, if I'm not mistaken, June 1st. March 30 or May 31st, June 1st ish. Uh, if he wants to withdraw from the draft and then return to Purdue for what will be his senior season, I do believe. Uh, Edie was talking the other day uh, on social media and he said, My basketball journey has been unorthodox to say the least, but I won't change anything about it. From ranked 437 in my class to National Player of the Year, I can't put into words what Purdue University. My teammates, my coaches, and our fans mean to me. Though we fell short of our ultimate goal this season. <laughs> oh, yeah, you fucking did, by the way. Uh, I loved every second of it. I, you know what? I'm sorry. Let me break off this just for a second. Never ever thought we'd see a one seed go down. 2018 it happens to a badass defense powerhouse because Virginia's always a defensive powerhouse. So I never thought we'd see it twice. But how funny is it that me as a Hoosier, it happens to a Boilermaker, Fairly Dickinson. God, I love college basketball. Anyways, Edie would continue on his social media post saying that, with that being said, I'm putting my name in the NBA draft while maintaining my college eligibility. I will evaluate my future after, the, after going through the process, and I look forward to what's next. Now, Edie's a big boy, as we've all seen on the court. He's like 7'5". Uh, and he's Canadian, eh? Uh, 
you know, of course, you know he they, he dominated all season. He led Purdue to the Big Ten regular season and conference championships. He was averaging 22-12. He was shooting 60% from the field. He ranked sixth in scoring, second in rebounds, and 21st in field goal percentage. He also averaged a couple blocks per game. He scored at least 30 points eight times this, uh, this past year. Uh, he played three years under Painter up there. So, you know, who knows? But, you know, of course uh, – Right now, ESPN's got him ranked as 49th overall in the number five center in their draft rankings. So, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, I hate Purdue. He isn't. He is playing in the Hoosier State. So, best of luck to him. Uh, I hate kids that just leave early. That's. Oh, God, Kurt and I have talked about this before. We've been blue in the face. There's no dynasties in college basketball anymore because nobody wants to play four years anymore. Everybody wants that damn NBA money, and they're gone. It's All these kids jump. They see more money than they're ever going to see in their life. I mean, I don't blame them, but damn, what happened to shit in the 80s and the 90s when these kids were staying four years? In the early 2000s, kids would stay four years. Hey, this is a matter of pride for me. I'm going to win a national championship. March Madness is one of the biggest sporting events of the year. Like, I'm going to be seen. <coughs> and then they get, that, they get that ball money, son, and it's over. Speaking of basketball, but we're going to jump across the pond. And we're going to go to China because uh, there was the, I had to put this in here, and that's why I was Damn it, I wish, I guarantee a puss fell asleep on me. I wish he was here because I know he was going to get a laugh out of this. China's top basketball league has disqualified two teams from its postseason amid match-fixing allegations. Oh, yeah. They're even fixing the game in China. So this ruling came after the CBA, the Chinese Basketball Association, determined that the Shanghai Sharks and the Jiangsu Dragons engaged in unsportsmanlike conduct during a playoff series last week. The league put out a statement yesterday that said both teams showed a lack of competitive effort and were negative in competition during their best-of-three playoff series. The teams will also be fined the equivalent of $5 million and have their general managers and head coaches suspended for the league for up to five years. Now, the Chinese Basketball Association is ran by NBA standout. Would you call him a standout? Probably the most famous Chinese basketball player of all time. That's Yao Ming. Uh, Ming said Monday in a statement that the situation was very saddening, but he stressed that the disqualifications and penalties were necessary to preserve the integrity and the credibility of the Chinese Basketball Association. So, um, where is my vape? So I guess basically what this is saying is on during their game, uh, the Dragons were leading the Sharks 196 with a minute 36 remaining, but committed five straight turnovers over the next minute that helped Shanghai gain a 10-point lead. The game ended in a 108-104 win for the Shanghai Sharks and a 2-1 series win. Now, what's also interesting about this is the Sharks have former NBA players on their roster. Former number two draft pick Michael Beasley and Eric Bledsoe, uh, 
The league accused the Sharks of negative contention in Game 2 of the series, a 97-90 victory by the Jaragans. Shanghai allegedly lost the game intentionally to extend the series to Game 3 and allow Bledsoe, who had been given a four-game suspension before the postseason started, to return earlier in the quarterfinals. Uh, Beasley's not played in the league since 2019. Of course, Bledsoe's a 12-year veteran. He played for the Clippers last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so <laughs> Yao Ming's pissed, and I guess I guess I'm I'm uh, I'm supportive of that. Uh, I don't like people that throw games. I want this isn't this isn't pro wrestling, which I love. Don't predetermine the outcome of a sporting event. Let it happen organically. Play the damn game. So. At any rate, so that's annoying. That's my dryer. I don't have to do laundromat. There's no more laundromat listening episodes, but I guess we're going to have an impromptu one because we can hear it. I have a washer and dryer at the new place now. Anyways, I wanted to, I wanted I wanted to to talk to Puss about this too because we got a kick out of this. Animal uh, animal cruelty and protesters at a horse track. Oh yeah. So so uh, I did not check the date on this. I I think this was over this past weekend or 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 it was two weekends ago somewhere in the last week or two. Uh, Karak, and I'm probably saying this wrong, Karak Rambler, we're just going to call it Karak Rambler. We're just going to say Rambler. How about that? Rambler, the 8-1 favorite horse, produced a strong finish to win the Grand National uh, over the weekend or two weekends ago after the world-famous horse race was delayed for 15 minutes because animal right activists scaled the fences around the perimeter of the course and got onto the track. I love this. I just, wait. I love this. Your protest. Hey, man, like, God, maybe I am an asshole. Maybe I am too far GOP, but you're protesting. Horse Anyway, so the race took place after three people were arrested in connection with a plan by the activists to disrupt the race, which they succeeded in doing. All three were arrested on suspicion of conspiracy to cause public nuisance, a total of 118 people were arrested on suspicion of criminal damage, criminal damage and public nuisance offenses in a bid to disrupt the race, according to the Merseyside Police. We respect the right to peaceful protest and expression of your beliefs, but criminal behavior and disorder will not be tolerated and will be dealt with robustly. With about 30 minutes to go until the scheduled 5.15 start of the race, some activists from an estimated group of 300 people climbed the high fences around Aintree Racecourse and got onto the track. Some apparently intended to handcuff themselves to... Push, just text me. Hang on, everybody. I'm texting Puss right now. I'm in the middle of it. Do you want to join in? 
Let's see what he says. He was mushroom hunting. I knew it. I said he was sleeping or he was mushroom hunting. But anyways, they, they attempted to handcuff themselves to obstacles before being taken away by police and security officials who were seen shaking the perimeter fences to prevent other activists from climbing in. Saturday's race was delayed as a result, and 39 horses were kept in the parade ring. The protesters said the race is cruel to horses, with many having died over the daunting fences through the years. So, I think about this, and I think about this video I seen during COVID, or shortly before COVID, it was of a truck driver bringing a truck full of chickens into the place to be butchered and slaughtered and, and all, all this stuff. And these protesters, these little bitty vegans and their, you know, their blue Priuses and their, their uh, you know, all their stuff and... They they blocked in front of the road and this trucker man you just you just heard that caterpillar hum man he just he just hit another lick and they about got mowed the fuck over and uh, then after they were you know after he scared the shit out of them they were wiping out their drawers they were still filming they're I can't believe he tried to run us over all we're trying to do is prevent the cruelty to these animals they have feelings too and. Uh, uh, and I'll look from side go shut up you fucking plant eater and I don't know why I'm thinking about that just that's what I do not very politically correct tonight that's okay we only get about three listeners a month anyways we'll just go down to one after this I'm sure uh let's talk about my Phillies more specifically let's talk about Bryce Harper so here's the deal with my Phillies puss said yeah well, let me just uh, let me just remote him in then. Let me just uh, let me just remote Puss Hattio Girl in. Let's see, are we connected? We are connected. Well, let's just uh, let's call Puss. Puss. Hey, what's going on, man? Hattie old girl. Yeah, my bad. That's all right. I told everybody I said he's either naked in his chair with Cheetos. He's sleeping. <laughs> he's sleeping or he's mushroom hunting. Oh, uh, yeah, So so you, you you joined in at the good time. So I was just getting ready to talk some Philadelphia Phillies and Bryce Harper. Oh yeah. But cool. But you, I, I wanted to run this by you because I was just talking about this. Just because, God, I, w- I want to get a laugh out of you. Okay. So, uh, you know, we don't talk politics on this show. Right. But we tend to poke fun of uh, the Democrats yeah. and, the, and, the, and the like-minded people, right? Yes, yes. Over the weekend, there was a great big horse race that went on somewhere. It's one of the big races that leads up to the Derby. Right. They arrested protesters who got on the track and tried to handcuff themselves to objects because they thought the racing was cruel to animals. <laughs> and they all got their asses arrested, and then they were wondering why they got arrested. 
Well, yeah. It's like walking up to a beehive poking it with a stick and wondering why you got stung, you know. But yeah, I, I just thought you I thought you'd get a kick out of that. Yeah, that's Why that's are we being arrested? Because you're sitting on a fucking racetrack where <laughs> ten horses is getting ready to run at Mach one speed. Yeah, there's a lot of money out there riding on this. I'd have so. fucking let the horses trample their asses. Yeah, yeah, no shit. So let, let's a horse, a horse won't do that though. They won't run over somebody, really. Oh, now no, I'm serious. I don't think it will. I'll be dipped. So, Hattie, girl. Yes. Last year, all I did was shit on my Phillies. <laughs> and they go to the World Series. And they go to the World Series. They don't win. Right. But they go to the World Series. I mean, they weren't even picked to go there, were they? No, I didn't think so. I mean, that was a damn good World Series, even though it was over in six games. Yeah, that was yeah. it was a damn good World Series. Oh, yeah. uh, see, well, they made a couple of acquisitions uh, over there. Trey Turner. Trey Turner, you look. Hey, you all, you know anything about Trey Turner? He's pretty good. Former former Los Angeles Dodger Trey Dodger, Turner. Yep. Yep. Well, let's let's talk about my Phillies a minute because you guys were a little weak at second base, you know, last year. I think. Oh, here we go. Well, I mean, a little light, light hitting at second base. I mean, this is gonna Trey Turner's gonna bolster that. It should, yes, yes. So, uh, Bryce Harper, who had Tommy John surgery after the season back in November, uh, he's getting a little bit closer in his rehab. He started taking batting practice with uh, teammate Ranger Suarez, one of their bullpen guys. Well, that's, that's a good thing. Harper said today afterwards, he said he's grateful for every day. He's trying to get back as quick as possible, be smart, and he's he's taking his time. And they got weather the storm until you weather the storm. Now yeah, there's I think do all right. there's no timetable on him coming back. Uh, he injured his elbow earlier last season, uh, but uh, he had Tommy John in November, and you know as well as I do, Tommy John is uh, is a big blow to be dealt. Uh, yeah. Uh, he, sure. he said, "I still have a little way to go. Uh, I still have to check some boxes to get where I need to be." Uh, well, you he, take those. You take the DH first, and then work him into I, the outfield. What What do I think, or what would I do? Yeah, I, I would. If once he got to where he could DH, bat, he'd be in a lineup. You know, that's a big. That's a big difference in that lineup. He said one thing he's not being able to do yet is throw the ball. So he's taking a couple <laughs> swings, but he's not throwing yet. Well, I mean, they got the DH, you know. So I, I DH him. I would too, just to get him. Uh, back into swing of things, you know. I would. Uh, I would too, as long as it ain't hurting him or anything. I know we don't cover a lot of injury news on the show, but I want right. to put that in there, and then I wanted to jump over and talk about the Yankees. The Yankees do. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Yeah. Yeah. What's up with the? Wah, wah. So what, I guess up with the Yankees? so John Carlos Stanton is good. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Former Miami Marlin, uh, right. Florida Marlin, whatever. Uh, he's he's looking to be out six six to eight weeks because he strained his hef- hamstring. Now the only reason I bring this up is because six to eight weeks for a hamstring. Six to eight weeks for a hamstring. 
Guess, well, you I know they they're, they're they ain't tough like they was back in the day when I was growing right. up, or even when you were growing up. Like they treat right. these babies like prima donnas now, right? But it's another injury for this guy who hasn't played a full season in five years. Huh. Okay, so I know you're you're already thinking. So let me give. So let me run this down for you. Okay, okay. the Yankees placed him on the injured list. Uh, Sunday. That's his seventh trip to the DL in five seasons with the Yankees and his 11th trip in 14 Major League seasons. Okay. Aaron Boone said it would be six to eight weeks uh, before he can play. He's missed 223 of 546 games in the last four seasons. That's 41. That's insane, dude. That's 41%, dog. I checked the math. That's 41%. That's insane. Okay. How can you afford to pay? Well, get this. So he's a five-time All-Star. He's hitting 269 with four homers and 11 RBIs through 13 games. He has a career 264 average with 382 yard bombs and 982 ERA, uh, RBIs. At the, at the time of the trade from Miami to New York, he was owed $295 million over the final 10 years of a $325 million 13-year contract. Okay. The numbers are just astronomical. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. About it. What you think about it? It's like, what? As part of the trade deal, the Marlins are sending the Yankees $30 million in installments of $5 million each July 1st and October 1st coming up in 2026, 2027, and 2028. That's a lot of scratch. So the Yankees are getting all this extra shit for a guy that they're not getting nothing out of, but they're still getting paid either way. Right. And then right. turn around giving that money to him. That sounds about like the Yankees do. The Yankees do Yankee do things. Yankee things, yes. Uh, and uh, Major League Baseball does Major League Baseball things, or I should say Major League Baseball does dumbass things. Okay, well, yeah. Well, I mean, we talked, you know, I'm so glad you and I are back to doing this show and we're back consistent again. That last, that last month and a half killed me. Right, but uh, pretty tough, bro. Yeah, I know you're always you, you got a lot of shit going on, bro. Yeah, but you always want to talk sports, and damn it, I do too. Right. Oh yeah, always. But uh, one of the things we talked about uh, a lot this year was how Major League Baseball, uh, basically they listened to Steel Toes and Scoreboards. They listened to the Commissioner Kelly episode. <laughs> we got a pitch clock, and we got a pitch clock. Well, yes. they're thinking about. They're thinking about making some more changes. Oh, and the shift, dude. There's no more shift, is there? Oh, just 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 just, just check this out. This is what right. I, this All is right. what I got today. So okay. they they announced today that in the Atlantic League this season, the Atlantic League, uh, they're going to do some experimental rule changes, including a designated pinch runner, a double hook designated hitter rule. And further limitations on the pitcher's ability to make pickoff. And I've got a breakdown of all these. Okay. The designated pinch runner allows a player who is not in the starting lineup to be used at any point of the game as a substitute base runner. The player who was subbed out, as well as the pinch runner, will still be able to return to the game. Don't like it. Okay. The double hook, (laughs) the double hook designated hitter rule 
allows teams to use the DH throughout the game as long as the starting pitcher throws at least five innings. If the starting pitcher does not throw five innings, then the team loses its DH and the pitcher spot would be batting for the remainder of the game. I can deal with something like that. Yeah, I, I figured you'd like that because uh, yeah, what, yeah, I can, yeah, I can handle that. Kirk Kelly, one thing he hates about baseball is he hates the designated pitcher because he's I, old school and pitchers bat bat. If you're penciled in the lineup, you grab the bat. You know. <laughs> so uh, th- there's yeah. also there's also a single disengagement rule, which means pitchers can only take their foot off the rubber once per at bat. To attempt to pick off or reset the pitch clock. Huh. Huh. Okay. Huh. That's getting pretty technical there, though. So Is now, that's getting very technical. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. I like the pitch clock. I, I, I like mean, the, I, hook. I, I, the pitch clock, the whole thing, that you know, the pitch clock this year, I don't. I. We talked about that at length, and that was one of the things I said and you said. But at the same time, I don't want to see a World Series game end on a technicality because the pitch clock. Absolutely not. Yeah, right, right. And I guarantee you at some point this postseason, that's going to happen to somebody. It might not be the World Series, but something's going to happen with that pitch clock. Yep. So uh, be back to the drawing board. Back to the drawing board. So let's see what else we got. Cause I was already, I already did a little bit of this. Oh, I just, I, I got a little bit of golf news. I just throwing this in here. It's not, it's not no Saudi blood money. Okay. <laughs> but because you know how I always talk about how I said Ernie Els has probably the most beautiful swing I've ever seen. Oh yeah, yeah. So the senior tour, which is basically the PGA Tour champions, it's getting its own competition in the form of a World Champions Cup. So this is going to be an inaugural three-way competition between players from the U.S. and Europe and the rest of the world uh, going down in December in Bradenton, Florida. There we will see legends like Jim Furyk, Darren Clark, and Ernie Els were announced as team captains. So this, this competition is going to air on... NBC are on ABC and ESPN, and basically it's going to be a format similar to the President's Cup and the Riders' Cup, but it's just going to be for the Senior Tour, basically. Okay. And I just put that in there because I've, you know, you've heard me say before, I love watching golf, and I think Ernie Els has probably the most beautiful golf swing I've ever seen. He does have a pretty golf swing, yes. Okay. Absolutely. So, I mean, I ain't got a lot because I already ran through a little bit of it while I was. You know, you weren't. I, I start on it, but uh, I guess we'll end on some NFL news, bro. And uh, yesterday, Jalen Hurts got fucking paid, bro. Did you Did you see this on your? You got you got a fancy phone now, so you got access to all the internets and the Google machines and everything. Yeah, I'll look it up. Yeah, Jalen Hurts big time money. Jalen Hurts got fucking paid. He is the most highest play. Okay, I want to think about this for a minute. Jalen Jalen Hurts is the most highest paid player in NFL history. Okay. He's beating out guys that got paid like Tom Brady, Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers. You're telling me 
this kid who took his team to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but he took his team to the Super Bowl. He's an SEC product, which I fucking hate the SEC. He's an Alabama yeah. product, which I fucking hate Alabama. Right. But you're going to tell me this little kid, this this uh, dual-threat quarterback, but he's not a pure pocket passer. This guy this guy's going to be the highest-played player in league history. Interesting. Uh, for those who don't know, the, the terms of the contract, on Monday it came out that they agreed to a five-year Two hundred and fifty-five million dollar contract that includes oh that's not even the best part it includes a hundred and eighty of that is guaranteed a hundred eighty million of that is guaranteed no matter what no matter what no matter what I mean he could throw thirty-seven interceptions and six touchdowns for the next three years and even whether they cut him or not he's still See, getting that's, paid that's where it all goes wrong right there. Okay, you know, here comes Commissioner Kelly to bust contracts. Well, I mean, come on now. If you don't perform, you can't be paid. So so are you saying that if you fuck up 600 Simon chairs and they fire you? Give, yeah, that's right. You're not going to get paid? Absolutely. I mean, if I'm in the why should it be any different? I'm in the butcher shop now. If I, if I cut up 16 hogs and I cut them like cattle, Instead of cutting them like hogs. Yeah, you're not going to be working there very long. I'm not going to be working there very long. Probably not going to be working there very long either. I almost cut my damn finger off last week. Oh, shit. I seen you Sunday, Tuesday. I laid my finger open bad. I was I was in, I was was two hours into my first shift. Damn it. Oh, I'm, lo- I'm about to lose my fingernail, bro. Hey. Yeah, yeah, y'all see. It's, it's gnarly. You'll see it. I'll show, I'll show you Saturday night. It's gnarly. All right. Hey, I got a quick question for you. Yes, sir. Uh, our friends in Richmond, are they, is everybody all right up there? Yes, I was I was going to tell you about that. So uh, for those uh, our listeners here, our friends that after Two Beers podcast, we always, uh, when Kurt and I went to Richmond, there was a big industrial fire that burned for about three days. It was smoldering <laughs> for about a week. Time. That was actually not very far from where we were recording at because I – our good friend uh, Kevin Shook, who is the who owned the studios we recorded right. in, uh, Kevin did a lot of filming with his drone. And from what I can see, that building was only maybe a couple blocks from where we were recorded at. That's crazy, then. Uh, yeah. I mean, have you been in touch with anybody up there? I I uh I seen Dutch posted on Facebook. I have not reached out. I will reach yeah, out to we them. Reach out, you know. Make sure they're okay. But it was, uh, yeah. It, I mean, it made it made national headlines. It was such a big ass fire. It, was, it wasn't just Indiana headlines. I mean, do you find that suspicious in any way? There's a big ass bill. Kevin posted pictures. Kevin shook posted pictures of what it looked like before, and there is a big ass hole in the ground, kind of where that building used to be. And you don't find it a little bit suspicious with all this I, shit going on? You mean with all this shit? And then we got trains colliding in Ohio yeah. all the time? Yeah. It's the rapture, bro. The end of the world cometh. Well, I mean, it could be, right? I, God, I hope not. I'm not ready to die yet, puss. <laughs> you know we still got well, more content to put out. I don't well, want us to yeah, go I yet. Do. But I, I guess if somebody decides it, it's time or you know, that's what you always say. What, what what was the joke you always made? Oh, I I mean I don't want to die. I'm scared. I ain't ever died before. Well, that's right. I mean, who? who I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we fear the unknown, right? We do fear the unknown. 
there you go. I mean, I, I've never died before, so I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, so... Unless, unless you believe in reincarnation, that's a whole other thing. Well, that's... People remembering past lives, you know, I don't know. That's very true. Um, yeah. I, I do have some news for you. We'll have to get off the air first before I let let you in on something at work every day. You'll be you'll blow, be blown away. Something good or something bad? Something bad. Uh oh. Yeah. Hang on one second. I got a text. All right. I know I'm supposed to be professional, and here I am. Well, people understand that. We got. I mean, there's lives outside. We got lives well, outside. Well, yeah. Show. Uh, I guess the last thing, last bit of news. Well, there's something else I could go over. We'll go over in a minute. But before I do that, uh, because it's you and you're my homie, right? I have some Pittsburgh Steelers trade talk news for you. Really? Yes. All right, lay it on me. Okay. So the Pittsburgh Steelers. Go ahead. I've been following uh, there's something they're moving quite a bit, but I haven't heard about this one yet. Okay, yet. so well, this come out today. Apparently, I seen the I seen the ticker come across my phone uh, early this afternoon. Uh, the Steelers are expected to trade for the L.A. Rams wide receiver Allen Robinson. Okay. The trade, which is contingent on Robinson being able to pass a physical, the Steelers would receive Robinson in a seventh round draft pick. For Pittsburgh's seventh round draft pick, which would be, they're swapping seven round picks, but that's uh, let's see, uh, I don't know the the Rams are picking a little bit higher in the seventh round. Which if it's seventh round, who gives a fuck? But Robinson is scheduled to undergo his physical tomorrow. He will be with Pittsburgh team doctors. Uh, the Rams will pay the ten and a quarter million dollars of Robinson's fifteen million dollars salary. And the Steelers will pay the remaining five million. Now, he would be another experienced player for that hot shot young quarterback you have. Right, right. Uh, but what's interesting is this is a team, the Steelers team that um, they usually build more through the draft than free agency and trades. Yes. Uh. So we got a new general manager in there now. Yes, you know? that's right. We talked about that last year. Uh, last yeah. year, you and I, uh, Omar Khan. Oh, yeah, uh, making some shaking things up a little make bit. Making some chains up. Uh, Robinson will become the third most experienced player on the roster behind uh, veteran defensive back Patrick Peterson. Yep. Uh, that was a good pickup, I think. That was a good pickup for you guys in free agency. <laughs> uh, and you've still got uh, Cam Hayward. On the defensive line. Now, Robinson, this is he's kind of an interesting player because he had one good year and then he went to Chicago after he left Jacksonville. (laughs) And that would ruin anybody. So so basically but before we get to that, let's let's continue here. Uh Robinson signed a three year forty six million dollar contract with the Rams in the offseason last year. But he finished the year on injured reserve. Uh, in his lone season with L.A., he had only 33 catches for three touchdowns and 339 yards in 10 games. But now before joining the Rams, he spent four years each with both Chicago and Jacksonville. Now, 
2015 is when he got known because he had a breakout season in Jacksonville. That was when Blake. That was when Jacksonville had an outlier year. Blake Bortles was throw. Blake Bortles threw like almost right. 50 touchdowns. Right. Uh, he he racked up 14 career high touchdowns and over 1400 yards. He was consistently productive after he left in free agency and went to Chicago, being their top receiver for a few years. But this would give them the Steelers' wide receiver core, uh, which is already a position of strength. It would give them a veteran presence to go along with uh, your second-round draft pick last year, George Pickens. That beast. You got the Pickens-Pickett connection, right? Kenny Pickett and yeah. George Pickens? Yes. Pick so, it to Pickens. Pick it to Pickens. So uh, what, do you, what do you think about that, Mr. Steelers guru? Uh, well, i tell you what. Uh, if they can keep both of these guys healthy and uh, we keep Kenny Pickett upright, there's going to be something there, I'm telling you. There's going to be – You know, that's, that's awesome. Um, so, uh, Saturday night, you and I – Talk talk a little college hoops. Yeah, I'm down. Uh, man, uh, you've had a good one picked out. Too, well, why, don't you, why don't you tell everybody what we're going to talk about? 1985. Georgetown, Villanova. 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 Raleigh Massimino, John Thompson, Patrick Ewan, Ed Pinkney. Oh, man. Yeah, great matchup. What was uh, what's the story you always tell? You you've tore off you've told off and on the oh the, the about uh, Gary McLean. Yeah. I uh, told Sports Illustrated they were so high on cocaine. The whole Villanova team. <laughs> These are college kids high on cocaine. Yeah. Playing the game. Yeah. Now you admitted to it, you know. Uh, Puss, if I'm not mistaken, Georgetown was the one seed, weren't they? Oh, absolutely. They had been number one all year. Nobody would beat Were they? Were they year. the number one overall as well? Yes. Yes. All year. And they, they, never, they never did come out of the first place. I was born in 87. This was 85. But if I remember history throughout the years, Villanova would have been somewhere between an 8 to 10 seed, right? Yes, yes. Boy, yep. you talk about an upset, huh? Oh, my. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, and pretty much, I mean, shut them down. I mean, you know, it was a great game. How are you going to shut down Patrick guy. fucking Ewing? How are you going to shut down Patrick Ewing? Double team. I told. Uh, Which, I, go ahead. Raleigh had a great game plan. I'm telling you. You know, this was back before you had the, the 24 second shot clock or what have you, right? This was you basketball. Could slow, you, you could slow it down a little bit and you limit the possessions, right? Right. And that's what they did. They you know, to a T. They rebounded, they defended, and then the rest fell into place. Great series, uh, great, great game. I think you're excited about this because this oh, will yeah. be our first official college basketball only episode. Well, I mean, we give them Super Bowl and World Series some time, but NCAA is a pretty big thing too. You know? <laughs> you know what? I think this will be one of our better years content wise, and I'm excited. And, and if this goes well, man, we might have to do some more throughout the year, looking back on certain times in March, Matt. I, like, who doesn't love tournament time? Oh yeah, I know we're a month late. Absolutely, I know we're a month late to the party, but I mean, who doesn't love tournament time? Right, I I see no reason why we shouldn't talk a little bit. George basketball, Georgetown and Villanova. Well, you know, then we're going to have to do uh, Houston and uh, North. Yeah, NC State, absolutely. Jimmy V, right? Yep, nineteen eighty-three. Which was our Lorenzo Charles? Which was our top moment ever in our uh, in our uh, sports moments in history. 
Pandemonium, man. Pandemonium. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so what I'm going to do here now is I'm going to get ready to turn off the recorder, and then I'm going to keep you on the line so you can tell me this bad news, right. and I already got a bad feeling about the bad news. Yeah. Right. Oh, oh, boy. So for uh, everybody, uh, Kurt joined us a little bit late to the party, but you Sorry, still got – that's hey. Middle picking mushrooms. Mushroom season's important. It is important. We haven't found shit until the last couple of days. Do you do you remember? I know you, I'm asking you if you remember. You've slept since then, but uh, <laughs> last year around this time, I was finishing. I, I was I was given my two week notice to verse deal. Yep. And uh, yep. we we're we we're standing at the time clock, and uh, they were talking about mushroom hunting. And no. Ronnie, Ronnie, oh good, is Ronnie still there? Yes, he's still there. Ron Willis, yes. Ronnie, Ronnie, oh, yeah. Ronnie was talking about mushrooms. They were talking about mushrooms, and I said, Ronnie, the kind of mushrooms you're talking about, the mushrooms <laughs> they're talking about are two different kinds. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. That was such good stuff. Yes, yes. All right, so uh, don't don't go nowhere, and I'll, I'll give you the all clear when we're off air, but for Kurt Kelly, late to the party, better late than never. That's right. I'm Jared Atkins. This has been an episode of uh, Weeknight Chronicles, and we will catch you this weekend for some college hoops. Yes, right on, man. All right. Hang on, bro. Yep.